All right. Welcome back to the NGO podcast. My name is Monica Kunzel. Today we have Gareth Ward and Jeff Adams with us. And we also have Catherine Loy, who is an associate engineering geologist in Australia. She runs our Adelaide office and is part of the NGO family. Welcome, Catherine. Thanks, Monica. We're excited to have you here today. So we are going to be talking about B corporations and what it looks like to be certified. The Adelaide office, just Catherine, just spearheaded the B corporation certification for our Australia office, our Australia offices. So we're excited to have Catherine on, talk a little bit more about B corporation and what it looks like to get certified. So Catherine, what was, what was the inspiration to do the certification? Was it, was it kind of an internal or external combination of the two? It was external Indigenous participation and social participation in tender processes. And that's really hard for us to demonstrate anything, um, or it was, prior to our BCOP certification because we, we were new in Australia, so we hadn't, and we still haven't developed, you know, strong relationships with businesses and industry partners that have uh, run by our First Nations people in Australia. So we thought, well, a way that we can do it is by B Corp, because then we're demonstrating that we are socially responsible business and operating in that way. Understood. So really, it became almost like a pre-screen or a certification, if you will. The, the idea being that B Corp is, is, is quite rigorous, can demonstrate to the external stakeholders that, no, this is a company that really does follow socially responsible, economically and environmentally responsible practices, kind of a stamp of approval. In, in Australia and New Zealand, we are increasingly being asked to provide evidence of our sustainability credentials. And that has to be more than showing them a policy and saying that we are, we, we are living up to our policy. We actually have reached a point where we're having to prove that we are walking the talk. One of the, the best ways, one of the most rigorous and prestigious ways to do that is to go down down the beach walk route. Mm -hmm. And uh, well done, Catherine, for it. There was definitely a group effort. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to, you know, roll and control and um, get people together. Yeah, we understand. I mean, it, it it sounds like it was quite a rigorous process. You know, some of the people, people we've spoken with uh, in our Australian operations said, look, this audit is real. Uh, you know, you, you go ahead, you submit online, B Lab, the certification organization has a look and, and it's, it's a long, and I don't want to imply that's a bad thing, but it's it, maybe the right word is the rigorous. It's a comprehensive, rigorous it's assessment. Rigorous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to make sure. Yeah. I, what, um, what are some of the takeaways for, from that whole process? It's the takeaway was, or the nice surprise was that we really actually had a lot of good stuff going for us and for our application. There were some things that we did create uh, or make or formalize, perhaps is the best way. Some things were about how we use our customer data and digital security and demonstrating that we well-being attitude. There were five impact areas that they call it, and those impact areas are drawn from the 17 sustainable UN goals. Mm -hmm. And so the five impact areas are governance, workers, community, environment, and customers. And depending on your business, you then get funneled into a number of questions mm -hmm. in those areas. Uh, one of the areas that we did 
well, actually, the best area that we did was um, the workers' area, and we were celebrated as one of the top five percent in our region. Yeah, the best um, in the world. Industry. I think was the yeah, designation. Yeah, best in the world for our workers, which demonstrates that we really look after our, our staff and, and care for our staff. And, and from what I understand, it's not necessarily limited just to the social aspects too. But I mean, things like you know, transparency of our financials, participation in yeah. ownership of the company. Uh, you know, in the U.S., we have details. <laughs> yeah, which undoubtedly makes everybody a little bit nervous well, because it's sensitive that. information. But but we had no reason to be ashamed. Because sure. I think we really do treat uh, our work as well. Wonderful, wonderful. What were some of the environmental questions that that they got into? I mean, the environmental questions went into our recycling practices and our carbon footprint and the scope one two of carbon emissions yeah and just if, did we actually understand what our energy uh, consumption was and water so i'm looking within the um, the environment impact assessment they had uh, sections called environmental management um, air and climate water land and life so in each of those we had a number of questions where we had to demonstrate um, our awareness and what we do to reduce those or have less of an impact. And did you go through a, a formal carbon footprinting process or was it an internal calculation? It was the internal calculation that I did based on a publicly available calculator. Yeah. And they were more than happy with it. It was quite easy because especially at the time when we started this, we were, I don't know, five employees or something. By the time we got our certification, we were close to 10. But it was quite easy at the start because we knew who had flown where and at what yeah. time. Um, and they just had some simple metrics about was it a zero to one hour flight, one to five hour flight and things like that. So we just did the calculation that way. Yeah, it was quite an interesting exercise though because it showed us that one of our highest impact was not actually flights and vehicles. It was a the travel costs that are not flying. So accommodation, food, meals. All of that sort of stuff was actually, um, I think, our highest. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Here in here in New Zealand, we've just gone through the same a similar process, and our highest is without a doubt vehicle transport, uh, diesel, petrol, closely followed by domestic airfares yeah. and other other travel expenses come come way down the list. So. One one of these days we'll Perhaps. do we'll do a calculation in the states, and I have no doubt it's going to be related to. Uh, commutes, uh, transport commutes. Yeah. Just, I mean, especially in the Bay Area, we have people living all over the place, and uh, that's certainly. No, and it's, you know, those those sort of you know type three emissions, mm -hmm. if you like. And, and one of the virtues of, of B Corp and and Push My B Lab is again kind of transparency. After you do your score, the idea is, hey, you make it public, and you let the whole world come and see what your score is. Yeah. Uh, have you had any feedback from that from any of our vendors, suppliers? Has anybody ever called no. and been like, hey, it's great you have it. I was reading up on your score. The feedback I've had is from other industry partners that are also B, B Corp. So they've seen the announcement and gone, oh, sweet, because in Australia, there's only three geotechnical-based businesses that have B Lab certification. And, and this is a big issue, too. I mean, one of the big downstream users or demanders for B Corp certification tend to be government. So any type of government work, because governments have to hit their SDG goals. 
sustainable yeah. development goals. And ultimately, if you have the B Corp certification, you say, look, I'm going to help you hit your goals. I've got, I've got the kit that you can use. So I, I would imagine this becomes a great, you know, essentially market segmentation strategy for mothers that are not certified. Yeah, I think it's still early days, though. There's still mm -hmm. a lot of people whose awareness is still quite limited. I know Gareth mentioned that the New Zealand side of things is going to start requiring that firms have some component of sustainability. Are you seeing similar regulations in Australia? And if so, how has that impacted the work there? Yeah, social responsibility. Okay. Well, I think that's that's a big driver in Australia, isn't it? It's the, the social responsibility, the First Nation inclusion, yeah. um, the things that are, you know, quite difficult to demonstrate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, bond slavery is often uh, one of those um, points that comes up in, in a large tender process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And by large tenders, are you talking about government tenders or? Usually government tenders, local council, those sorts of things. Yeah. I was going to say, as we were talking too, uh, it, it's one thing our operations in Australia are not that old. So one would say, well, we don't have these legacies that of, of, of issues. But to the point that was made earlier that you hit on, Gareth, you know, it, it really is kind of that scope three category. It's the, those with whom we team. It's their teaming partners, it's their suppliers, and it, it really becomes kind of the onion to unpeel, so to speak. And and the certification becomes that stamp of approval to say, look, we've thought about this, kind of going both ways. And, you know, we've we've kind of un, we've uncovered, for lack of a better way to put it, our operations and those, you know, upstream and downstream to to give that certification. Basically, it just makes us an ideal supplier. <laughs> mm -hmm. We're seeing that in a lot of other industries in the United States, but not as strongly in the geotechnical and environmental engineering sphere yet. But mm -hmm. I know Jeff and I have talked about the fact that mm -hmm. it's coming. It's coming. It's on its way, but it's not necessarily here yet. So the fact that, you know, Catherine, Australia is already a couple a couple steps ahead is, you know, it will only set, set you guys up for success in the future. Yeah, it is coming. I'm seeing more and more articles in um, our Australian Geomechanics Society about the role of the geotechnical engineer and the role of engineering geologist in their projects. So, yeah, it's really, it's really good to see that. Yeah, we have the issue too that the the governing bodies, the Securities and Exchange Commission in the United States, and, and there are certainly you know corollaries and, and similar agencies, and you know in Europe, Australasia, wherever, where. You know, the idea is this is going to be requiring further scrutiny for a lot of our clients, uh, larger publicly traded clients. Essentially, this is going to be expected or required of them for doing business, uh, either by their investors or if their investors are asking for it, there's going to have to be a bonafide certification that, yes, they are doing their homework and doing their reporting. And so it's coming. It's going to take a while to trickle down. You know, obviously, we're a downstream supplier and, and we're not going to be as carbon intensive as, say, a concrete supplier or a steel supplier for a home builder or a developer. But we do fall into it. At some point, we're going to get captured into it. When scope three, when people start pushing the envelope on scope three, we're certainly going to have to have our house in order and have our uh, paperwork ready to go. But we can heavily influence those contracts, right? If, if we can show that a greater investment in our services can um, really push a design and make it less conservative and make it, you know, it can result in billions less cubic metres of, of concrete and tonnes of steel if, if there can be some internal or early investment in geotech and environmental engineering services. 
For sure. For sure. And even if you're using those materials, alternatives that may be earth friendlier, uh, you know, a number of concrete cement companies have started to look at how they're curbing their emissions. We had a noontime presentation probably about three or four months ago from uh, from a concrete provider. And they were talking about, uh, I don't even remember what the topic was. It might have been permeable pavement, whatever it was for stormwater control. But the first three or four slides that they had, the first five minutes were exclusively devoted to sustainability and specifically carbon emissions. We didn't ask for it, but they it just becomes so top of mind that they're leading everything off with, here is what we are doing because this is coming in and we're increasingly being required uh, to, to find ways to come up with creative solutions. I think they also recognize that as a mm -hmm. concrete company, if you look at the major sources of um, pollution and carbon emissions in the building industry, we're looking at steel oh, yeah. and we're looking at concrete. And what are we working with as geotax and environmental engineers every single day? Steel and concrete. Yeah. So it's very much a part of our industry, even if we're not the ones providing those resources to our clients. Um, and that makes it important for all of our projects, for who we decide to work with, who our, um, our clients in turn decide to work with. As geotechnical and environmental professionals, we were involved right at the start of the, of the project. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, we, we have the potential to impact how the project develops right from the get-go. And it's key, key to the sustainability of a project that we are making good recommendations and sustainable design yep. recommendations to the project. Yeah, from, from a grading standpoint, keeping material on site, making sure it balances so there's no net import or export, uh, with the exception of building materials. But if you can keep stuff on site, that's great. Right there, you've essentially embedded your carbon into the site. From an environmental standpoint, the difference between digging up an off-haul into a landfill versus in-situ or ex-situ treatment, keeping material on site. The, the stronger of a stance that we can make earlier into a site, not only for what the cleanup will be with a regulator or a council, but really just for the big picture. The timing of a project can go a long way in doing that. I think one of the biggest challenges at the moment is, is measuring that and demonstrating it to the client as well. Yeah, and monetizing it too. What does it all mean in the big monetizing. picture? Monetizing. Dollars always talk. Dollars yeah. always, always talk. Right. Exactly, exactly. Have we recouped the time that was spent getting Beetle in Australia by project wins that we couldn't have got otherwise? I can't answer that. Again, it's the same thing. It's hard to measure and yeah. demonstrate. And I haven't done a good job of it yet. My gut feeling is no, we haven't yet. But sometimes these tenders are for panel arrangements or pre-qualification yeah. type arrangement. So it helps us get onto that um, pre-qualification. But then we need to recall what jobs we've then got. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's a good point, Gareth. Maybe I need to start some kind of tracking. Yeah, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see. Interesting to see. And I mean, that's... yeah, well, we are talking about money. That's one of the reasons why we did it in Australia is that yeah. the, the fees for people are based on revenue. At the time we started it, our revenue was negative. <laughs> so, um, so, be, so be lab paid you. <laughs> Important, yeah, mm. in what way is it important to those businesses? But also, I think there are 
sort of slightly non-tangible, perhaps is the word, benefits in that you treat your work as well, you keep coming to work, you have fewer lost time injuries or, or people off sick or stressed or, or whatever or it is. Or, or attrition, absolutely. You know, we all know how much it costs to recruit somebody and how hard it is to find anyone at the moment. Yep. So there's all those those other benefits as well as the, the dollar side of it. And, and again, here in New Zealand, I only speak for New Zealand, but uh, we are regularly asked about our stand on the environment and sustainability. Mm -hmm. And sustainability in its widest form along the you know along the five five areas impact areas that Beetle look at and you know we're asked about this at recruitment fairs people who are coming into the industry care fundamentally who they're going to go and work for on yeah. you know around environment mm -hmm. sustainability and and you know Beetle, what a fantastic way to be able to flag to wave recruitment fairs yeah. in Australia is, yeah, you know, absolutely. is the Beetle flag. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm, I think we've got to be careful not to just judge it against the dollars. Right. There actually is some academic studies that have come out somewhat recently that have looked at this question about, okay, what do you get out of it? You know, how do you factor in the intangible, the tangible? And, and uh, the research group led by Paleman, somewhere in the, one of the Benelux countries, I think it was either the Netherlands or, or Belgium specifically, and, and looked at a number of factors, how you, you know, be it, you know, turnover of employees or revenue or profit margin or whatever, uh, and how B Corp certification, you know, affects it positively or negatively. And, and they did specifically find a positive benefit uh, and no correlation really on a lot of other factors, but a specific positive benefit with respect to short-term and long-term revenue growth. On the, on the short-term, certainly it kind of provided for some alignment got everybody on the same team and, and to answer this question about, okay, there's a lot of effort that goes into doing it, but it actually does pay for itself very quickly uh, in a great picture. And then long-term as, as you get further and further from the certification process, you start to recoup it. The revenue growth actually takes place a lot more. And, and one of the reasons is at that point, you understand what goes into it. You understand that you've done this from an ESG standpoint, you've essentially have aligned internally your various teams. You've aligned the accountants and you know the marketers and the the C-suite executives, etc. And everyone's kind of on the same page at that point. You get you do get the benefit going forward. So the the research is out there. You know, B Corp certification can help a company for sure. But again, your heart has to be into it. You have to be doing it because you are an ESG focused company. Uh, this is what you stand for. This is what your company believes in. And if you do that, you do get the benefit of going through the process for the sake of the process. The B Corp audit is no joke. He says it is, it's invasive. Uh, has to be. I mean, yeah. from the standpoint, I mean, well, I mean, because you have companies like, you know, Nespresso is B Corp certified. That's a huge, you know, multinational, you know. Really? Yes, yes. And and, and not only that, but B, but B Lab is very explicit that the bigger you are, we're going to look at you more, you know, you know, the the corner shop that sells dresses, you know, we're, we're going to look at them. We're going to, but Nespresso, we're looking at you more. And so, you know, yeah. people that buy Nespresso can feel pretty good about that. That that certification was well earned. Yeah. I mean, so I can only imagine how invasive it was for them. Yeah, right. That's pretty um, impressive commitment from someone like yeah. Nespresso. I think a big part of that is people were like, 
where do all these pods go? Mm -hmm. Like, what is your impact? How are you doing something about the fact that you created an industry, not created an industry, created a product Mm -hmm. that drastically increased the amount of waste? So you went from just coffee grounds in a coffee machine, which a lot Mm -hmm. of people use on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. to here's this really convenient pod that's going to increase the amount of waste generated by X factor. It's like, okay, well, Mm -hmm. that's not too attractive as the world is moving towards a greener, you know, lifestyle. And so I'm guessing that their their thought was, okay, well, if we become B Corp certified, that shows we actually care. That becomes the whole thing. It it, it demonstrates a commitment to it. And they they also either, you know, by design upfront or kind of a happy coincidence or combination of the both, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's an aluminum pod, fully recyclable, filled with coffee grounds, you know, fully compostable. So yeah. the recapture of it, and I, we have an espresso maker at home and a couple of weeks ago, this, the, the, the US-based stores at least have a really nice approach. You can either mail it or you can take it to a store, drop it off and drop off your spent pods. And it's, it is, it's like a conveyor belt. You know, I went to the store parked, you know, a couple of blocks away, walked over to the store and as I'm walking there, you know, I'm with a couple other people as people were walking back to their cars. So they certainly, oh, wow. yeah, people, at least in this area, and again, I can't claim that the San Francisco Bay Area is representative of the United States when it comes to recycling or composting practices, but people people take it seriously and are certainly taking them up on it. And I think it's also a convenience thing. Yeah. We live in an area where there's an espresso store not far from here, mm-hmm. but if you had your pods, say, shipped, and you were 100 miles from the right. closest... Nespresso place. I don't know if they charge for shipping. No, they don't. What they do, you can okay. get a bag. You can get a bag with a pre-printed post label and then just literally take it to the post office, drop it in, and it's all paid for, and then they'll receive it, and then they'll go ahead and they'll do their thing. Okay. So that's a pretty big uh, incentive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think from Nespresso's point of view, part of their driver would have been, you know, so many other companies have one of these machines in their right. office space, and they have their own sustainability, environmental metrics, and if Nespresso aren't are causing a problem with those metrics and they're not helping them meet them, then they're going to go somewhere else. Exactly. So B Corp is a, you know, it's a very good way of, of proving, you know, that you are materially helping anybody else meet their, uh, their su- sustainability metrics. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think another big so. factor is if you're charging a lot for your products, I think, exa- example, Patagonia and Athleta are, you know, companies that charge a good bit for their products. You could buy a pair of, you know, mm-hmm. maybe a pair of leggings, athletic leggings from Target for $25, or you could buy a very similar pair from Athleta for $85. But you recognize that by buying Athleta, right. it's a B corporation. The people who make the clothes are being paid fair wages and similar with Patagonia. You understand that even though you're buying a product that could even be like $75 or $100 more, you know that there's an environmental cost built into that because Mm -hmm. there's sometimes carbon offsets or there's fair wages involved. And these are things that would not be incorporated in a product that's $5, $10, $15. Yeah. Every every time, every every step of the way, I mean, if you take Patagonia compared to a competitor. I mean, if they're going to use synthetic materials, they're going to be recycled. If they're going to use natural materials like cotton, they're going to be organically sourced. If they're going to use wool, it's going to come from humane 
farms uh, every step of the way you're adding cost to it but at the same time the garment costs a lot more but you're you typically your consumer they're going to hold you to task if you're claiming something you know you, you spend a hundred dollars on a sweater people are going to follow up and they're going to make sure that yes you are who you say you are when you source this the way you said you would and the best way to prove that or one of the best ways is to get certified as a big exactly <laughs> the transparency you know, built in. Mm -hmm. you know be a leader in in the regenerative economy mm -hmm. basically so when did we finally get certification in australia it was earlier this year uh the date was i don't know i'll have to uh, no, that's, that's fine so so 2022 <laughs> 2022 that's like everything you're like i think it was this year but some if you told me it was last year no i'm sure it was this year i recall it coming out sometime maybe like february march yeah that's yeah, what I, I remember I as well so what is the ongoing audit requirement um we're encouraged to update our b impact assessment the ongoing audit from b lab is absolutely three years there's a full audit again yeah. but is there some annual component i don't think there is any no. kind of rigorous annual so it's, it's an internal update yeah yeah a little less time intensive than than the iso annual audits yeah, yeah. yes absolutely. But, the, but the big one every three years yeah in the same way mm -hmm. and is that from certification date or from when we submitted our from certification from certification so okay a couple more years before we have to uh through that again start the whole process yeah. again yeah. yeah yeah and one of the challenges for us is that we do share you know ngo australia shares the name with ngo new zealand and the states so there is some expectation that new zealand and the states follow through so whether or not we can maintain it after three years um, if the other businesses don't follow through rem remains to be seen mm -hmm. but we decided that it was worthwhile investment and so ideally New Zealand and the states need to start looking seriously at it from now and if yeah. if the decision is that we want to maintain it in Australia then we need to start looking at it in the other yeah regions. or at least I guess at recertification if you if we can demonstrate that you've started the process because there was a lot of um, a lot of information sharing in the assessment before before submission yeah and, and you and i have worked closely together Catherine, on a lot of the iso related stuff so mm. i'm sure there's there's a lot of synergy there yeah and Catherine, you had mentioned with teaming partners too or, or people in the industries it, it seems one of the virtues is this puts us in good company uh you got to be corp you're in with good companies whatever they make they can you know, make it widgets they make coffee whatever it may be uh, is there a sense that you've kind of joined a club within some of the, you know, some of our companies within the industry or affiliated yeah, industries? Absolutely, because absolutely. B Lab provides, um, what do they call it? The Beehive, I think. It's something the Beehive. Okay. The Beehive. You know, so there's a there's a portal for all B Corp people right. to to participate and interact with, you know, this internal programs and features and blogs and and that sort of thing and yeah 
but then there is also anyone who's anyone in the world can also sure. go to B Lab and look up the list of B Corp certifications. And I did it recently. We we find a good supplier for branded materials mm-hmm. for employees, so shirts and t-shirts. And right. Stuff. So I went in there as a first pass. I don't think I found exactly what I needed, um, sure. but yeah. Yeah, I, I knew that that resource was there and it was really good. Yeah. Incredible. Excellent. Well, Catherine, we're wrapping up our time here, but we're super thankful that you came on the show today. And I feel like we all walked away with a lot more knowledge about B Corp. So that's a win. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. All right. Thank you, Catherine. Thanks, Monica, Jeff. Catherine, Gareth. thank you very much. Gareth, as always, thank you. Mm-hmm.